On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit Downs with your host, Jenny Anchando. Hello, everybody. This is a totally different type of second shot sit down. Uh, it's Jenny Anchando here. If you're if you're new to listening or watching, we welcome you in. And uh, you know what we do on these episodes is we look at different ways to take a second shot at life. Perhaps gain some inspiration from somebody who's really taken a hard look at life and and taken a second shot. And one of those people, and I'll tell you a little bit about her, is Missy Buchanan. Um, you know she writes a lot about the topic of aging. So she's written several books on it. There, She's written this devotional called Beach Calling that I've actually been uh, diving into. And then she's also written several articles. So um, talking about just how to reframe the brain when it comes to aging. Missy, I am so glad to see you and connect with you at your home in Rothwall. Hello and good morning. Thank you. And I'm glad to be here with you. Well, so, so first of all, and this is, this is like, we've done so many topics and we really never talked about aging. There've been people who've maybe had an injury and gotten over it, but, but aging is a very different process. What made you decide to make this your niche, like to, to really dive into covering writing on aging? Well, let me just say up front, it was not anything I ever anticipated doing. <laughs> uh, I was in my late 50s, I guess, when um, my own parents were aging, and, and they were so proactive and so gracious about making decisions and and helping our family along, you know, as they were going through the transitions of aging. They moved to a senior care community, and I remember as I would go over and visit, because they were about 20 miles away, and I remember one day being there, and I was watching in their dining room, there was a gentleman um, who literally left his plate of food and he went to the mailbox, which was just right outside, and you could see, I could see it from where I was seated. And and I watched when he opened that mailbox, and he looked in, and there was nothing. And his face just kind of, you know, fell, and he was so sad. And then I would, be, I would begin to hear people around my parents say, how you doing today? And one of them would say, I'm just here. And mm. I thought, you know... We are called to do more than just be here. And my mom at one point, and they had been pillars in their own congregation at their own church. And I remember one day when she said that it had been six months since anyone from her church had been there. And I had made the assumption all along that, you know, that the church had been there and it was just a, a matter of changing ministers and whatever. But my heart broke and it was out of that real life experience that I began to write. And I was really writing for my aging parents and for my aging parents' friends because I would write little, um, just short, brief devotions from their own perspective as if I'm hearing the voice, them talking to God. And, mm -hmm. um, 
I would write that down and and then print it and give it to my parents. And then before long, they were asking me, what could you make some more copies? Because so-and-so, their neighbor here or the one across the way wanted a copy. And finally, there was a gentleman that came up to me and he said, you know, you just don't know how these help. You need to get these published. And I laughed thinking, yeah, and you don't know that, you know, how hard it is to get published, particularly when you're talking about aging. And so I did send them, however, to Dr. Rick Gensler, who for the United Methodist Church was the director on aging, on the Center of Aging and Older Adult Ministries. And he literally took them to what's now my publisher, Upper Room Books, and said, you need to publish these. And that was the beginning of my publishing career, which then in turn led to speaking career. But it was all born out of real life experiences that I went through with my own aging parents. It's such a different journey. You know, a lot of people talk about when you talk about, even for book publishers, it's more of like a, it's more of like a Hollywood type experience, but yours went through the church, much like it sounds yeah. like that would be a, a common trajectory for a path for you, for, you know, from what I've, I've learned about you. When I think about this episode, you know, I, I even Missy found myself because I'm always thinking about, okay, how can we promote these? I want to, I want to impact and reach as many people as possible with these episodes because they're meant to inspire. And even knowing this is just like an honest thing between you and I and everybody who's listening, knowing that we were going to be putting aging in the title, I thought that's not it. That's not sexy. That's not, you know, that's not, are people going to want to hear about that? And I thought, you know, even the, the more reason to do it, because I know there's not a lot of content out there talking about aging. Well, if it is, if there's content about aging, it's usually framed in terms of (laughs) anti-aging, you know, and anti being against aging. And so, um, yeah, and that's what our culture uh, teaches us, you know, and, and, and I have to tell older adults this, you know, I said, you don't know how you're being impacted by culture that's around you because everything about aging is typically framed in how to stay young, what, what product you can use, what, what, you know, procedure you need to have done. And, and I'm not trying to discount the, the better things that I think that are coming out of, of that it would be terms of exercise and, and better nutrition and taking care of ourselves. But, but there is this big push it's like you know if you can't stay young then you lose value and that is just heartbreaking and um, so that that has become my goal is to um, just to remind people that you still have value even if you have wrinkles and sags you still have value yeah, Missy, we, we're seeing that in the in the work world. I mean, we just did a story on it about how really experienced Americans, and I don't know, they're eight, you know, I don't know what's considered old. I don't know, but but I mean, you're kind of thinking about people yeah. with decades of experience are, are really struggling to get rehired now that they're feeling more comfortable going back into the work world. And uh, to me, that's really heartbreaking because for the companies, because I'm like, really, you know, it you're is. missing yeah. somebody with all of this experience, and so I wonder. What, what is that mindset that we have as, as Americans that we're not valuing people with experience? It, it all goes back to the, you know, I think if you don't look youthful, then they think you can't, but, you know, 
uh, have good ideas or that you can't offer anything if you, you know, look m more than <laughs> 40 or 50 years old. And it, it's really, it is sad. It's very sad. And uh, it's something that I think we have to just become aware of, number one, because I don't think people, they're so conditioned to it. Uh, that I don't even think they realize, or I'll even hear, <laughs> this is very true, you will hear older adults will say, I don't want to move to um, a senior community with all the old people. <laughs> so there's a, there's a certain amount of, you know, ageism, even within the ranks of, of us who are growing older. And uh, until we can begin to see Aging, I mean, it is an adventure, and it, and it is no doubt. There's there's this tension that goes on between um, em embracing mortality, and at the same time saying, "I'm going to live as fully as I can," you know, and that even if I'm in that wheelchair in a skilled nursing home, I can still have an impact. There's still something I can do, because as we age, we tend to lose a sense of purpose. Um, we feel like our identity is tied up in our job, our career, in our looks. And when that changes, then suddenly we feel diminished and we don't know, you know, people don't really care about our opinion. And so I think as a, a member of that, that boomer and above group, you know, it's up to us to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I still have something to offer. Yeah, I've got wrinkles and cellulite and whatever, but I have something to offer. So I think in some ways it's up to us in those ranks to, to remind um, the rest of the world, yes, we do still have value. And I wonder if it's, it's our, the issue that we have with aging. I wonder if it's because we do build ourselves up based on things that are associated with youth, like physical appearance or perhaps being trendy or having the latest and greatest. And so then instead of perhaps building up other skills, so then you know, inevitably those things are going to be gone. Um, right. And so then is it, is it that we find ourselves at a later age thinking, wait, shoot, my value was that I was so cool and could stay up late and was right. beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then, and then we haven't built up these other, um, things that bring about confidence. You know, I, I always tell older adults that it's like they're living in the perfect storm that just as they think that their body and their mind is slowing down, the world has never gone faster. And it's true and it's different for a person, say, who's 80 today than it was for a person who was 80, say, 30 years ago. True. Because change is so rampant. I mean, it's just, it's, it, you know, I, I sometimes say I think my, my grandchildren were just born knowing how to do technology. You know, they are fearless. They can do things, you know, so fast and just absorb it. They're not afraid. And yet for us, you know, for boomers and beyond, we get to that point and we're like, well, I can do this, this and this, but then, I, you know, I'm freaking out because I don't know how to do the other things. But it's that, it's that, um, the rapidity of the of the change is what's what's happening to our older adults now, and so I need to remind them. You know, it's like you should be patting yourself on the back. I mean, I have a, a friend in my Sunday school class who's in her late 80s, and she learned how to zoom over, you know, during COVID and whatever, and she never thought she could do it, and she could she could. She just needed someone to sit with her and show her how to do it. So I, sometimes I think we're really hard on ourselves will think, well, I can't do what I once did, 
so I'll do essentially I'll go to the recliner, you know, and that's that's not a good that's not a good attitude. Right. And and I just think that it just that that there's that diminished return over time, I can imagine. Now, were you so you started writing about aging really before you were aging personally, you were seeing your parents go through it. Were you always kind of an old soul or did you always feel connected to older people? I, I have. And I think uh, in part is because my own grandparents lived with our family when I was growing up. And so I was uh, very accustomed to to having that other generation a part of my life. And then I also watched my own parents, I think, and in, in walking alongside them so closely through their own aging. Uh, you can't help but you know, apply some of those things to yourself. You know, you, you see where their struggles are and you, you begin to think, okay, you know, that, that could be me. How am I going to deal with this when it's my turn? But, but yes, I love older adults. I, I love their humor and I love their creativity. And, um, you know, that's not to say that some aren't curmudgeons and, and I will be the first to, to call them out on being prickly or being curmudgeons because um, we, we can do better than that. You know, and so, um, uh, yeah, I, I just think that when we surround ourselves with generations, particularly, you know, we, we need each other. We need that community and because uh, we learn from each other. I'm going to learn from, from my grandkids and those that are younger than I am, and I hope they learn from me as well. Yeah, and we're liking learning from you. So I feel like we kind of spoke to the, the younger audience about just sort of shoring yourself up with some of these life skills outside of what you look like so that when you're older, you've got you know, something interesting to say and do and talk about. Can we talk about for Americans who are feeling a little bit older and feeling a, a loss of sense of purpose, how can one renew that? You know, to me, that goes back to the intergenerational thing, because I think if we begin to think of ourselves as having a special assignment, and one of our special assignments would be to pour ourselves into the lives of younger generations. And I don't mean just just our grandchildren. I mean, that's that's great to have grandchildren and, and nieces and nephews and whatever, but to think beyond that, to what is it that I can do to pour, you know, what knowledge I have, my experiences, in a way that they can hear it and that, that that will honor them. Because what I run across sometimes is their older adults want to share their, quote, wisdom. But sometimes it's more about, well, I want to share my political view with you or I want to judge you on your tattoos or whatever. And, and so that's one of those times that I'm going to call them out and say, wait a minute, you know, if you really want to influence younger generations and you want to use your years well, these late years, then you've got to be non-judgmental. You've got to invite the conversation. You've got to take a posture of humility to say, hey, I want to learn from you. You know, teach me. And um, sometimes for some older adults, that's hard. And that's one reason that I tie it in with faith, because faith is so important to me, because I think from that faith perspective, that's a natural thing that we, we take on a posture of humility to build those um, relationships. Yeah, and, and it is a di we're in such different times. You mentioned things change constantly, and it's different for an 80-year-old, you know, a few decades ago to now because families don't live together. Like I, I hear about what you're saying about your upbringing, and I just it, like I think the emotion is envy because I'm thinking, mm -hmm. oh, I wish 
you know, my parents were here, but you know, I moved away from them and, and, um, there's just, we just all live so far apart and yes, we do have technology, but I hear you saying the intentionality is really important because our time together can be more brief too. So we're not just hanging out together every day and in conversation exactly. coming up. So, so, so that's, exactly. that's really important. Um, when it comes to like a, you know, let's say for somebody who's a retiree, um, and they're feeling like, oh my gosh, I went all out, you know, with my job and with my family and looked forward to retirement. And I hear so often people say, well, I'm bored now. So can you talk about what, you know, how to have a really vital and exciting post-career life? Absolutely. You know, and I think it, you have to look at what your passions are. What are what are things that you love to do? You know, I, I think in our core, we really don't change all that much. The things that I loved, be it music, be it art, be it whatever, things that I loved when I was 20, there are still things that I love to do now. You know, I may need to do them in a different way, but figure out what is the passion that you have? You know, what is it you can do? Um, one of the things that I, I love to recommend to older adults thinking about, you know, how they can make a difference in the world is to, you know, think about um, different organizations where you can volunteer, be it, you know, Meals on Wheels to drive to other older adults who need help, be it Project Transformation where you're working with younger kids, um, there's so many opportunities, but oftentimes we just, you know, head to the recliner and go, well, if they needed me, they'd call me. Well, no, we've got to be intentional about trying to, you know, make that effort to step out and do something that's different. Um, just this summer I was doing, I was volunteering with Project Transformation in our community here in Dallas. And I was just amazed at the number of 80 year olds that were involved doing the, the uh, bookworm buddies and doing reading to the kid or having the kids actually read to them online via Zoom. And, you know, and uh, there's so many things, but we've got to take advantage of those opportunities that are there and not just wait for them to plop in our lap. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it seems like even, it's just like keeping up those best practices that we had earlier in life. For some reason, as we get older, we, 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 there's just such a mindset. I mean, I'm not aging myself, but I know like that's sort of just the way we do it in America is when you're getting older, you just kind of stop doing these passions and things like that. So um, I, like you, very much enjoy the beach. <laughs> beach calling is this devotional. I have a I've really enjoyed kind of going through here and um, you guys, it's, it's a devotional journal for the middle years and beyond is, is what Missy calls it. And there were a series of questions that kind of, or, or, or I get I don't know, questions or challenges that really stuck with me. One of them was spend an hour or more in total silence, no electronics, no conversations, no distractions. And then to ask yourself, what was difficult about the experience and what was satisfying what makes you decide to what what would a challenge like that do for somebody i think it's hugely important because a lot of times as people retire they turn cable news on 24 7 almost you know yes. i mean it almost becomes, it becomes a background to their day 
And that concerns me a lot because, I mean, even if I'm walking through the halls of an assisted living center or, or an active uh, independent living, you know, and the doors are open and you're just hearing that blast. And I don't care whether it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC or whoever. It doesn't matter to me what it is. If you're listening to that 24-7 almost, um, it erodes your, your well-being. It just does. And so I think the need has become even more important as we age to just turn off all the distractions and just be. And the thing about the beach that was important to me, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, is that, you know, it just kind of takes you to that that stage where you're almost asleep. <laughs> you know, you're just so relaxed and you're just kind of in that la-la land. And yet those are moments that we have some of our deepest thoughts, deepest and best thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so that being able to just be quiet and just listen to the sounds that are in your environment, to just pay attention to things that are there that you don't normally pay attention to. But hugely important to turn off, I mean, nothing against your show. I want them to watch morning after. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, it just, we've just become so accustomed to having that noise blaring at us all the time and that's not helpful. Well, it's, it's funny that you say that. And that's sort of like part of what this show was even born out of was because people do get in this cycle. And, you know, we want to be informed. And it's, you know, that's sure. it's always great to be informed. But there gets to be a point where you're not informing and you're not you're not making, you know, these wise decisions on, you know what, let me take that in about what that person said, that information that person said, and then think about what I think about it. We're just sort of taking in all these opinions and then becoming them. And it's not great. And it's funny that you bring that up because I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with friends who have said, Oh my gosh, my mom or my dad or my grandpa, they are with this cable news nonstop. And I can't even get a word. in. Exactly. I mean, when I'm speaking to older adult groups, I mean, a lot of times they'll, they'll like, boo. When I'll tell them that I said, I want you to restrict your news watching. I mean, I'm not talking about watching reruns of the Golden Girls, but you know, but I mean, (laughs) as far as news, 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. And and that includes even, you know, getting on internet and whatever. I said, because that you're going to learn what you need to know. You're going to be able to keep up. But once the commentators are arguing over each other and you find your blood pressure going up, it's past time to turn it off. And so I'm very clear on that, I think, because it is a huge problem that I see. Before we run out of time, I wanted to focus on um, just the title of the book, From Dry Bones to Living Hope, is very enticing to me as somebody who sometimes thinks about what is it like when you get older and what will life be like? What, what was the focus of, what is the focus of that upcoming book? You know, um, when I first started writing for older adults, I had uh, a group that were kind of the, the, my go-to group that I would have them read what I wrote to see if it rang true for them, you know, because I did, I wasn't 85 years old or whatever, and, and yet I was trying to capture what I thought they were thinking. And I remember so vividly that there was, um, in this group, there was a man that spoke up and he said, Missy, don't ever sugarcoat aging. Because if you try to do that, we won't believe you. 
And I, boy, that really stuck with me, you know. And so I think what, what he was really trying to say is uh, deal with the realities. You know, we know that there are going to be hard times and we've already experienced them. I mean, through whether people have lost loved ones or they've lost their home and their belongings or the ability to drive. I mean, th these are just transitions and there are things that happen. And to not honor that reality is unfair, I think, to those that are growing older. At the same time, and so, so I guess those are things that I would say we, we lament over. And that's the dry bones part, that lament that this is hard and whatever. And yet the living hope, there are steps in the book about things you can do to access that hope. And just like... Um, um, one of the things that I tell them, as we were just talking a few minutes ago, was about the, you know, turn off the TV, you know, um, turn it off, watch it for only 20, 30 minutes and, and that's it. Or change, change to the Hallmark Channel or do something, you know, that's more uplifting. But the whole idea of acknowledging what those tough realities are and then transitioning to the joy that's found in, um, in, in growing older, there are joys. And it's easy to get lost in the laments, and yet there are so many wonderful things. And if I ask an older adult, you know, tell me what's good about growing old. Well, they're going to name things like, you know, oh, getting to watch my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren grow up, um, you know, getting to, to see uh, what the world is doing, how much it's changed since I was a kid, and all these, you know, the change in medicine and things like that. And they'll, they'll name all kinds of things. They just need to be reminded of that from time to time. And also, of course, as a person of faith, that, that you know, my value, uh, our value as, as individuals is, is God-ordained. And so um, it, that in itself brings hope to me. Missy, what was it like when you found out that Robin Roberts' mother was getting such value from your book. I know that that forged a relationship between you and their family. Talk about that experience. It did. It was, a, a, you know, out of the blue that I got a phone call at home and it was Lucy Mary Ann Roberts, uh, Robin's mother, calling to ask me, how did I know what was going on in her mind when I wrote my first book, Living with Purpose in a Worn Out Body? And we talked for 30 minutes that day, literally 30 minutes. I mean, we had never met. She was at her home in Past Christian, Mississippi, and I was in my home. And we just had this wonderful conversation and, and found out that, you know, we both had, of course, a, a love of our Christian faith. We both had church pews in our home, you know, and mine came from a little antique store, but hers was salvaged from Hurricane Katrina from her own church and still had the watermarks on it. And we actually, Lucy Marianne became my best cheerleader. She would call me, she would send me notes, and she would end every conversation with, I love you, Nana. You keep writing and speaking for old folks like me because we need you. And so when it was time that uh, Robin had always wanted her mom to do her memoir, to write her memoir, and Lucy Mary Ann said, I'll do it if Missy writes it for me. And so, you know, what an opportunity. And uh, she was such a, a dear, dear friend and still is an influence on my life because there are times, you know, when you're at the airport or at least pre-COVID, when I'd be at the airport and tired and I've been, you know, 
flown to wherever and I'm trying to get home and the plane's delayed and whatever, I would hear Lucy Marianne's voice saying, you know, we need you. We need you. And and how um, how encouraging that has continued to be for me. So it's a it's a wonderful relationship. I still am, am such good friends with all the Roberts family. They're very, very dear to me. What a beautiful, special connection and, and how nice to know. I think it's so important when somebody touches you like that, that you, you know, not that you're always going to be able to find their cell phone, but that you let them know, you know, that, that you were right. encouraged by her and she was encouraged by you. I want to wrap things up today with kind of a, a two-pronged bit of advice from you. I would love some advice for, first of all, people who are struggling right now, they're feeling older, they're feeling, you know, just lacking worth. And how, what's the first best next step for them? And then for people who have someone in their life who they maybe have dismissed, how to reconnect on that relationship and find value in the older family members? Well, first, for the for the older adult who's struggling to find purpose, um, I would encourage them to, to think about how they can share their life stories um, they're, they're with their younger generations. Again, not in a preachy, lectury way, but just to share, you know, times, when was the time that you were bullied? You know, it, it tell them about, because those are the things that bring us together, bring the generations together. And, um, and there's purpose when we do that. Whether or not, I mean, I would love it if people would write their own story, a story a day, you know, uh, uh, just you know, tell me about your first job. Tell me about where you met my grandfather, you know, whatever, but to write it down or, you know, videotape it, do whatever, but make sure that your family members know the stories. Now ask me your second question again. I've already forgotten it. <laughs> That's okay. I love that so much. And, and I think about it too, with my grandfather, it was like, of course, when we knew we were going to lose him, then all of a sudden we're asking him all the stories. Mm, he had an right, amazing right. life, came here from Mexico and worked hard for our family. And, I, and I've thought so many times, Jenny, why did you wait until he was in his 90s, yeah, right. you know, to, to get that? You that. Have, yeah, you I know, was in my always, 50s before I remembered to ask my parents how they met, you know. It's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. So being intentional yeah. about that. Yeah. And the, the other sort of last piece of advice is for people who um, are, are hearing this and thinking, yeah, you know, I need to encourage my cable news watching grandma <laughs> and, and yeah. how can we um, help if, if we're feeling like someone's in a bit of a rut, an aging rut, how can we as loved ones help them out? Well, yes, I think number one, sometimes I think honesty, you know, say, you know, grandmother, I'm really concerned that, um, that you're in a rut and whatever. And I want to, I want to help you, you know, uh, what can, what can we do? What would you like to do today? You know, give, give us something specific. Um, and because sometimes they'll be resistant to it going, oh no, cause they're so comfortable in that routine and say, no, we're going to do this, or I need you to teach my children how you did X, Y, Z, or whatever. You know, so to again, the more that they're around those younger generations, the more energy you will discover that they have. And so I think that's that's huge. Um, you know, again, to be able to share those stories, to to be able to connect over um, uh, family history, things in your home. This this belonged to grandfather 
other, you know, to share those stories. And the more that the, the middle agers ask their older adults to do that, I think the more they will see them get out of that rut. Missy, this is a rude question to ask, but I feel like since we're on the topic, how old are you? I, I will be 70 next month. Amazing. I think it's interesting to hear perspective on how much you've done. And I mean, my gosh, you're still speaking and, you know, traveling, oh, yeah, and writing and doing all of this. Um, so I never expected to be doing it, and particularly at this age. And yet it's it's my passion, you know, so it goes back to find your passion, find your passion. Bravo, Missy Buchanan. You guys, I'm sure that after hearing this, you're like, okay, I need to get this book for somebody. I need to get all these books, the devotionals, et cetera. Um, MissyBuchanan.com is her website. And then what I will do is I will link up her website in the show notes of this episode. If you're like, hey, I'm an aging American. This is the first time I've ever logged on to something like this. <laughs> well, then, then just message me and I'll get you the website and everything like that. Uh, Missy, blessings to you. Thank you again so much for the chat. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And you guys, thank you for listening to Second Shot. You know, you can get these on TV every Thursday on Morning After. And then, of course, the, the full episode on all podcast platforms. If you love it or enjoyed it, let us know. Leave a rating and review. And we will talk to you soon.